Mythology Friends. I'm Kate. And I'm Other Jen. And I'm Kim. And we're the Drunk Dracula Gals. Dracula Gals? Dracula Gals. I screwed up on purpose, I have to admit. Yay. That's I mean, that's what my thing. Over time. Yeah. I mean, yeah. every this there is no purpose. <laughs> right, right. Make a good point. Yeah. Kind of like this is chapter 18 of Bram Stroker's <laughs> Dracula, <laughs> celebrating the month of drunk Dracula gals, also called October. Is it time to just upgrade to Percocetitober? <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking Jacktober, but oh, yeah. yeah. All right, all right. Or just the Vodkatober. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's yeah. Booze Tober, Booze Tober. <laughs> yeah. any, any notes? Any notes for the audience today? Uh, well, today, other Jen will be reprising the role of Doctor Seward, the super angsty and terrible <laughs> mental specialist. <laughs> just terrible, terrible. It just goes. It goes back and forth between Kim and I. We just right, yeah. share him. So right. I, I feel like you're doing a good job. So okay. and you as well. Thank you. <laughs> and, and you know this is this is a reverse harem story. So yes, I right. think perfectly fine. Just passing him back and forth like a bong. There we go. <laughs> it feels like poetic justice. Anyway, <laughs> um, here we go. Back okay. to England. Yeah. Oh, good. It's time for the recap. Yay! Recap! Because you know what? In chapter 17, oh my God, you guys, it's a chapter without Van Helsing going on about, but did you know this? But did you know that? But what about this? But what about that? And (gasps) since he's back in Amsterdam for the moment and the Scooby gang actually has a chance to get some shit done, like literally hand Mina Harker a spreadsheet, a typewriter, and a safety pin and watch her go. Amen. With her faithful assistant, I mean, husband Jonathan, who also happens to know know shorthand, ha ha, she pulls together every single bit of information, including the newspaper articles from England's three worst journalists and fucking types it up in triplicate. I kid you not, triplicate. She was on a mission. Love her. (laughs) Give her some string and some duct tape. In the Mm -hmm. meantime, Dr. Seward... Seward, Dr. Seward, that's that's going to stick. Dr. Seward. <laughs> Dr. Seward, Quincy Morris, and Lord Saltine Cracker all decide Mina makes a pretty decent Lucy substitute because naturally women are interchangeable. Or maybe it's just code for something. I don't even fucking know anymore. Anyway, carry on. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Okay. Dr. Seward. <laughs> Is that what we're going to call him for today? <laughs> I, I, going forth. Clearly. Okay, Dr. Sewer's Diary, <laughs> 30 September. I got home at five o'clock and found that God, Godalming, Godalming, <laughs> goddammit, Saltine Cracker, and Morris had not only arrived, but had already studied the transcript of the various diaries and letters which Harker and his wonderful wife had made and arranged. Harker had not yet returned from his visit to the carrier's men of whom Dr. Hennessy had written to me. Mrs. Harker gave us a cup of tea, and I can honestly say that for the first time since I have lived in it, this old house seemed like home. When we had finished, Mrs. Harker said, Dr. Seward, may I ask a favor? I want to see your patient, Mr. Renfield. Do let me see him. What you've said of him in your diary interests me so much. She looked so appealing and so pretty that I could not refuse her. Oh, my God. He's actually saying this. Mm -hmm. Dude, you just pull. Oh, my God. Okay. (laughs) There was no possible reason why I should. So I took her with me. When I went into the room, I told the man that a lady would like to see him, to which he simply answered. Why? She's going through the house and wants to see everyone in it, I answered. Oh, very well. Let her come in, by all means. But just wait a minute till I tidy up the place. (laughs) Is he going to clean up his spiders? (laughs) His method of tidying was peculiar. He simply swallowed all the flies and spiders in the box. Oh, my God. He's really doing I am never going to eat again. This is so disgusting. Okay, so he swallowed all the flies and spiders in the boxes before I could stop him. It was quite evident that he feared or was jealous of some interference. When he had got through his disgusting task, he said cheerfully, Let the lady come in. He sat down on the edge of his bed with his head down, but with his eyelids raised so that he could see her as she entered. 
For a moment, I thought that he might have some homicidal intent. I remembered how quiet he had been just before he attacked me in my own study, and I took care to stand where I could seize him at once if he attempted to make a spring at her. She came into the room with an easy gracefulness, which would at once command the respect of any lunatic. That is how it has worked for me my entire life. (laughs) (laughs) Kim even highlighted that sentence as a favorite. It's awesome. (laughs) For easiness is one of the qualities mad people most respect. She walked over to him (laughs) smiling pleasantly and just call me easy. (laughs) (laughs) And she held out her hand. Good evening, Mr. Renfield. You see, I know you, for Dr. Seward has told me of you. He made no immediate reply, but eyed her all over intently with a set frown on his face. This look gave way to one of wonder, which merged in doubt. Then, to my intense astonishment, he said, "Eh, You're not the girl the doctor wanted to marry, are you? You can't be, you know, for she's dead. (laughs) Mrs. Harker smiled sweetly as she replied, Oh, no, I have a husband of my own, and we are both alive, to whom I was married before I ever saw Dr. Seward or he me. I am Mrs. Harker. Then what are you doing here? My husband and I are staying on a visit with Dr. Seward. Then don't stay. Why not? I thought that this style of conversation might not be pleasant to Mrs. Harker any more than it was to me, so I joined in. How did you know I wanted to marry anyone? His reply was simply contemptuous. Given in a pause in which he turned his eyes from Mrs. Harker to me, instantly turning them back again. What an asinine question. Team Renfield. Right. (laughs) I don't see that at all, Mr. Renfield. Mrs. Harker was at once championing me. He replied to her with as much courtesy and respect as he had shown contempt to me. You will, of course, understand, Mrs. Harker, that when a man is so loved and honored as our host is, everything regarding him is of interest in our little community. <laughs> Dr. Seward is not only is loved not only by his household and his friends, but even by his patients, who, being some of them hardly in mental equilibrium, are apt to distort causes and effects. Since I myself have been an inmate of a lunatic asylum, I cannot but notice the sophistic tendencies of some of its inmates lean toward the errors of non-causa in ignoratio elenchi. Say what? Did anybody look that up? I did. I did not. No. (laughs) Okay. I'm not going to. No. Some listener can let us know what that means. I positively opened my eyes at this new development. Here was my own pet lunatic. Nice way to describe your fucking patient. Yeah, I'm beginning to see a problem here. Yeah, most pronounced of his type that I had ever met with, talking elemental philosophy and with the manner of a polished gentleman. I wonder if it was Mrs. Harker's presence which had touched some chord in his memory, if this new phase was spontaneous or in any way due to her unconscious influence, she must have some rare gift or power. Yes, clearly she has superpowers. Right. (laughs) It's called the vagina. (laughs) Oh my God! (laughs) Ding, ding, ding. We continued to talk for some time and seeing that he was seemingly quite reasonable she ventured looking at me questioningly as she began to lead him to his favorite topic i was again astonished for he addressed himself to the question with the impartiality of the completest sanity he even took himself as an example when he mentioned certain things Why, I myself am an instance of a man who has a strange belief. Indeed, it was no wonder that my friends were alarmed and insisted on my being put under control. I used to fancy that the life was a positive and perpetual entity, and that by consuming a multitude of life things, no matter how low in the scale of creation, one might indefinitely prolong life." At times, I held the belief so strongly that I actually tried to take human life. The doctor here will bear me out 
on that one occasion, I tried to kill him (laughs) for reasons, for the purpose of strengthening my vital powers by the assimilation with my own body of his life through the medium of his blood, relying, of course, upon the scriptural phrase, for the blood is the life. Though, indeed, the vendor of a certain nostrum has vulgarized the truism to the very point of contempt. Isn't that true, doctor? I nodded assent, for I was so amazed that I hardly knew what to either think or say. It was hard to imagine that I had seen him eat up his spiders and flies not five minutes before. Looking at my watch, I saw that I should go to the station to meet Van Helsing, so I told Mrs. Harker that it was time to leave. She came at once after saying pleasantly to Mr. Renfield, Goodbye, and I hope I may see you often under auspices pleasanter to yourself. To which, to my astonishment, he replied, Goodbye, my dear. I pray God I may never see your sweet face again. May he bless you and keep you. Oh, my God. I pray I never see your face again. <laughs> well, he's got his reasons. Yes, yeah. he does. Team, yes. Ren- Team Renfield. Team Renfield. Yes. Yes. The <laughs> unlikely voice of reason. When I went to the station to meet Van Helsing, I left the boys behind me. Poor Art seemed more cheerful than he has been since Lucy first took ill, and Quincy is more like his own bright self than he has been for many a long day. Van Helsing stepped from the carriage with the eager nimbleness of a boy. He saw me at once and rushed up to me, saying, Ah, friend Jean, how goes all? Well, so I have been busy, for I come here to stay forever, if need be. <laughs> All affairs are settled with me, and I have much to tell. Madame Mina is with you, yes? And her so fine husband, yes? <laughs> and also, He's all right. And my friend Quincy, they are with you too? Good. We have a full compliment for my cult. I, I mean, I didn't mean to say that out loud. <laughs> As I drove to the house, I told him of what had passed and of how my own diary had come to be of some use through Mrs. Harker's suggestion, at which the professor interrupted me. First of all, warning, hold on to your panties for this, right? <laughs> oh, my God. Ah, that wonderful Madame Mina, a brain that a man should have were he much gifted, and a woman's art. The good God fashioned her for a purpose, believe me, when he made that so good combination. Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah, okay. Friend Jean, up to now, fortune has made that woman a verb to us. After tonight, so she must not have to do with this so terrible affair. It is not good that she run a risk so great. We men are determined. Nay, are we not pledged? We got the tattoo to go with it. To destroy (laughs) this monster. But it is no part for a woman. Even if she be not armed, her art may fail her in so much and so many horrors. And hereafter she may suffer, both in waking from her nerves and in sleep from her dreams. And besides, she is young woman and not so long married. <laughs> there may be other things to think of sometime, if not now. That is oh, the Victorian got- way of saying yeah, she's maybe she'll have a kid. She has a job. Right. <laughs> you tell me she has wrote all, then she must consult with us. But tomorrow she say bye-bye to this work and we go alone. <laughs> I agree. that is going to work out so well. So perfectly. Right. So, right. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Yeah. It does. It <laughs> does not. Nope. <laughs> I agreed heartily with him and then I told him what we had found in his absence. That the house which Dracula had bought was the very next one to my own. He was amazed. Yeah. Nobody saw this before? Really, people? He was amazed and a great concern seemed to come on him. Oh, that we had known it before. For then we might have reached him in time to save poor Lucy. However... The milk that is spilt cries not out afterwards, as you say. No one not, says that. Not quite. <laughs> we shall not think of that, but go on our own way to the end. Then he fell into a silence that lasted till we entered my own gateway. Wow. Before we went to prepare for dinner, he's. <laughs> I, come on. Is that not out of character that he's silent for a while? He's long saving period? his voice. Okay. Before we went to prepare for dinner, he said to Mrs. Harker, I am told, Madame Mina, by my friend Jean, that you and your husband have been put up in exact order, all details, all things that have been up to this moment. She responded impulsively, Not up to this moment, Professor, but up to this morning. 
but why not up to now? We have hitherto seen how good light all the little things have made. We have told our secrets, and yet no one who has told is the worst for it, because that's how it works in a cult. <laughs> Mrs. Hark began to blush, and taking a paper from her pockets, she said, Dr. Van Helsing, will you read this and tell me if it must go in? It's my record of today. I, too, have seen the need of putting down at present everything, however trivial, but there's little in this except what is personal. Must it go in? Oh, the professor read it over gravely and handed it back, saying, It need not go in if you do not wish it, but I pray that it may. It can but make your husband love you the more, and all us, your friends, more honor you, as well as more esteem and love. She took it back with another blush and a bright smile. And so now, up to this very hour, all the records we have are complete and in order. The professor took away one copy to study after dinner and before our meeting, which is fixed for nine o'clock. The rest of us have already read everything, so when we met in the study, we shall all be informed as to facts and can arrange our plan of battle with this terrible and mysterious enemy. Mina Hawke's Journal, 30 September. When we met in Dr. Seward's study two hours after dinner, which had been at six o'clock, we unconsciously <laughs> formed a sort of board or committee. Dr. Van Helsing took the head of the table as cult leader, which to which Dr. <laughs> Seward mo motioned him as he came into the room. He made me sit next to him on his right and asked me to act as fucking secretary. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Jonathan sat next to me. Opposite us were Lord Godalming, Dr. Seward, and Mr. Morris. Lord Godalming being next to the professor and Dr. Seward in the center. The professor Because this matters so much. So right. much. So much. The, the professor said, I may, I suppose, take it that we are uh, all acquainted with the facts that are in these papers? We all expressed assent, and he went on and on and on. And <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Hold take on. Deep, this is deep this breath. Is, okay. Here we go. Here we go. <sighs> Oxygen loading. <laughs> <laughs> then it will, I think, good that I tell you something of the kind of enemy with which we have to deal. I shall then make known to you something of the history of this man, which has been ascertained for me, so that we can discuss how we shall act and take our measure according. There are such beings as vampires. Oh, ah, really? Finally! Really? <laughs> Some of us have evidence that they exist. Even had we not the proof of our own unhappy experience, the teachings and records of the past give proof enough for sane peoples. Okay. <laughs> yes. well, I admit at first I was skeptic. Were it not that through long years I have trained myself to keep the open mind, I could not be believe until such a time as the facts thunder on my ear. See, see, I prove, I prove. <laughs> Alas, had I known at the first what I know now, nay, had I even guessed at him, one so precious life had been spared to many of us who did love her. But he did because he got the garlic. He did guess. He's bullshitting right? them. Yeah. Yes, this is true. But that is gone. And so we must walk. And the, so water under the bridge, right? <laughs> the milk that has been spilled. And no, I doubt not. <laughs> the milk that it has its head cut off and filled with garlic. Bygones. <laughs> <laughs> that the other poor souls perish not, which we can save. The Nosferatu do not die like the bee when he sting once. He is only stronger, and being stronger, have yet more power to work evil. The vampire, which is amongst, which is amongst us is of himself so strong in the person as 20 men. He is cunning of more than mortal, for his cunning be the growth of the ages. He has like a still, tree. <laughs> he still <laughs> have aids of necromancy, which is, as his etymology imply, the divination by the dead. And all the dead that he can come nigh to are for him at command. He is brute, and more than brute. <laughs> he is a <laughs> devil in callous in and the heart of him is not. He can, within limitation, appear at will when and where and in any of the forms that are to him. He can, within his range, direct the elements and the storms, the fogs, the thunder. He can command all the meaner things. The rat, the owl, the bat, the moth, the fuck, the wolf. <laughs> mean things, you know. Lions and tigers and bears. Oh, oh my. my. <laughs> and he can grow and become small and at times he can vanish and come unknown. I want some footnotes um, here because where are you getting this, Doctor? And secondly, really, Alice in Wonderland, grow small, grow big. 
How then are we to begin our strike to destroy him? How shall we find his where? And having found it, how can we destroy? My friends, this is much. It is a terrible task we undertake, and there may be consequence to make the brave shudder. For if we fail in this, our fight he must surely win. And then, where and we? Life is nothing! I heed them not, but to fail here is not mere life or death. It is that we become as him, that we henceforward become foul things of the night like him without heart or conscience, preying on the bodies and the souls of those we love best. To us forever the gates of heaven are shut, for who shall open them to us again? We go on for all time abhorred by all, a blot on the face of God's sunshine, an arrow in the side of him who died for man. But we are face to face with duty, and in such case must we shrink for me i don't know is the water cold <laughs> for me i say not but then i am old and life with his sunshine his fair places his song of birds his music and his love life far behind you others you're on some have seen sorrow but there are fair days yet in store what say you Whilst he was speaking, Jonathan had taken my hand. I feared oh so much that the appalling nature of our danger was overcoming him when I saw his hand stretch out. But it was life to me to feel his touch, so strong, so self-reliant, so resolute. A brave man's hand can speak for itself. It does not even need a woman's love to hear its music. And she must be crazy digmatized because that makes literally <laughs> right. no sense. <laughs> yeah, right. A brave man's hand can speak for itself. Okay, Mina. In fact, when, it's singing because there's fucking music. Right. When the professor had done speaking, my husband looked in my eyes and I in his. There was no need for speaking between us. He then turned to the professor. I answer for Mina and myself. Well, count me in, professor. Mr. Quincy Morris spoke laconically, as usual, and then Lord Godalming spoke. I am with you, for Lucy's sake, if for no other reason... Dr. Seward simply nodded. The professor stood up and after laying his gold crucifix on the table, held his hand out on either side. I took his right hand and Lord Godalming his left. Jonathan held my right hand with his left and stretched across to Mr. Morris. So as we all took, it's so important, we so (laughs) took hands, our solemn compact was made. I felt my heart icy cold, but it did not even occur to me to draw back. We resumed our places, and Dr. Velsing went on. Dr. Van Helsing went on <laughs> with a sort of cheerfulness, which showed that the serious work had begun. It was uh? to be taken gravely and in a businesslike a way as any other transaction of life. This feels like they're setting up for a séance. Yeah, yes. Or to sing I, kumbaya. It, I mean, it could go either way. <laughs> it, it's like he was seeing film in his head before there was film. Like this is like sort of that touching montage moment. <laughs> <laughs> Music swells, and Van Helsing says, <laughs> Well, so you know uh, what we have to contend against, but we too are not without our strength. We have on our side power of combination, a power denied to the vampire kind. We have the sources of science, not that we use them. We are free to <laughs> act and think, and the hours of the day and night are ours equally, so no more sleep for anybody. In fact, so far as our powers extend, they are unfettered, and we are free to use them. We have self-devotion in a cause and an end to achieve, which is not a selfish one. These things are much. Now, let us see how far the general powers arrayed against us are restrict and how the individual cannot. In fine, let us consider the limitation of the vampire in general and of this one in particular. All we have to go on are the tradition and the superstition. These do not at first appear much when the matter is one of life or death, nay, of more than either life or death. Yet, we must be satisfied, hmm? In the first place, because we have to be, no other means is at our control. And secondly, because after all, these things, tradition and superstition, are everything. Uh, didn't he just contradict himself talking about science? Perhaps. I'm sorry, I fell asleep. What was he saying? (laughs) (laughs) Does not the belief in vampires rest for others, though not, alas, for us, on them? A year ago, which one of us would have received such a possibility in the midst of our scientific, skeptical, matter-of-fact 19th century? Hmm. We even scouted a belief that we saw justified under our very eyes. Take it then that the vampire and the belief in his limitation and his cure rest for the moment on the same base. For, let me tell you, he is known everywhere that men have been. In old Greece, 
in Rome, Factor Romans. He flourished <laughs> Germany all over, in France, in India, even in the Chernocese and in China, and uh, so far from us in all ways. There even is he, and the peoples fear him at this day. He follows the wake of the berserker Icelander, the devil-begotten Hun, the Slav, the Saxon, the Magyar. So far, we have all we may act upon. And let me tell you that very much of the beliefs are justified by what we have seen in our own so unhappy existence experience. The vampire live on and cannot die by mere passing of the time. He can flourish when that he can fatten on the blood of the living. Even more, we have seen amongst us that he can grow even younger, that his vital faculties grow strenuous and seem as though they refresh themselves when his special pablum is plenty. Ew. Yeah. <laughs> but he cannot flourish without this diet. He eat not as others. Even friend Jonathan, who lived with him for weeks, did never see him eat. Never. He throws no shadow. He makes in the mirror no reflect. And as Jonathan observes, he has the strength of many of his hand. Witness again Jonathan when he shut the door against the wolves and when he helped him from the diligence too. Okay. <laughs> so oh he helped God. him down from the carriage and then he like shut uh, the door against the wolves. Okay. Yeah. It was really balanced. Strength of 20 men. Yeah. yeah. He can transform himself to the wolf as we gather from the ship arrival in Whitby, where he tear opens a dog. He can be as bad as Madame Mina saw him on the window at Whitby, and as friend Jean saw him fly from this so near house, and as my friend Quincy saw him at the window of Miss Lucy. He can come in mist which he create, that noble ship's captain provided, proved him of this. R.I.P. ship's captain. Right? Better reporter than anybody else so far. Oh, but yeah. from what we know, uh, the distance he can make it, this mist is limited, and it can only be around himself. He commands the moonlight rays as elemental dust orbs. It's it's orbs. And again, Jonathan saw those sisters in the d castle of Dracula. He becomes so small. We saw ourselves, Miss Lucy, ere she was at peace, slip through the hair's breadth space at the tomb door. He can, when once he finds his way, come out from anything or into anything, no matter how close it be bound or even fused, up with fire, solder it, you call it. He can see in the dark, no small power, this in a world which is one half shut from the light. Ah, but hear me true. He can do all these things, yet he is not free. Nay, he is even more prisoner than the slave of the galley, than the madman in his cell, Hello, Renfield. He cannot go where he lists. He, who is not of nature, has yet to obey some of nature's laws. Why? We know not. He may not enter anywhere at the first, unless there be someone of the household to bid him to come. So afterwards, he can come as he please. That's why it's I never let anyone in my house ever, because right? they might be a vampire. I don't know. <sighs> yeah, this is probably my husband's basis for being antisocial. Is he wrong? <laughs> His power ceases, as does that of all evil things at the coming of the day. Only at certain times can he have limited freedom. If he be not at the place whither he is bound, he can only change himself at noon or at the exact sunrise or sunset. These things are we told, and in this record of ours, we have proof by inference. Thus, whereas he can do as he will within his limit, when he have his earth home, his coffin home, his hell home, the place unhallowed. <laughs> How many synonyms are we going to do here? As we saw when he he went to the grave of the suicide at Whitby. Still, at other time, he can only change when the time come. It is said, too, that he can only pass running water at the slack or the flood of the tide. Then there are things which so afflict him that he has no power, as the garlic we know of, and as for things sacred, as this symbol, my crucifix, that was amongst us even now when we resolve. To them, he is nothing, but in their presence, he take his place far off and silent with respect. The, uh, there are others, too, which I te shall tell you of, lest in our seeking we may need them. The branch of the wild rose on his coffin keep him so that he move not from it. A sacred bullet fired into the coffin kill him so that he be true dead. And uh, as for the stake through him, we already know of its piece. Or, you know, to cut off the head to give it rest. We have seen <laughs> it with our own eyes. Thus, when we find the habitation of this man that was, we can confine him to his coffin and destroy him if we obey what we know. But 
he is clever. I have asked my friend Arminius of Budapest University to make the, his record, and from all the means that are, he tell me of what has been. He must indeed have been that boy warder Dracula, who won his name against the Turk over the great river on the very frontier of Turkey land. Turkey land? Uh, it's where you buy Turkey, Turkey carpets, huh? You buy turkey <laughs> carpets from Turkey Land. You buy the turkey for the Thanksgiving at Turkey Land. Excellent. Okay. <laughs> if it be so, then he was no common man. For in that time and for centuries after, he was spoken of as the cleverest and most cunning, as well as the bravest of the sons of the land beyond the forest. The mighty brain and that iron resolution went with him to his grave and are even now arrayed against us. The Draculas were, says Arminius, a great and noble race, though now and again were scions who were held by their co-evals to have had dealings with the evil one. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Turned his secrets in the Scolomans amongst the mountains over Lac Ermenstadt, where the devil claims the tenth scholar as his due. In the records, there are words such as Tregoica, witch, Ordog, and Pokol, Satan, and Hell. And in one manuscript, this very Dracula is spoken of as Vampir, which we all understand too well. There have been from the loins of this one very great men and good women, and their graves make sacred the earth where alone this foulness can dwell. For it is not the least of its terrors that this evil thing is rooted deep in all good. In soil barren of holy memories, it cannot rest. Whilst they were talking, Miss <laughs> Vey, whilst Van Helsing was talking, <laughs> Mr. Morris was looking steadily at the window and he now got up quietly and went out of the room. Take me with you. Right. <laughs> there was a <laughs> little too. pause. There was a little pause and then the professor went on. Oh, fuck. <laughs> and now we must settle what we do. We have here much data, do we? And we must proceed to lay out our campaign. We know from the inquiry of Jonathan that the, from the castle to Whitby came 50 boxes of earth, all of which were delivered at Carfax. We also know that at least some of these boxes have been removed. It seems to me that our first step should be to ascertain whether they all rest remain in the house beyond that wall where we look today, or whether any more have been removed. If the latter, we must trace... Here, we were interrupted in a very startling way. Outside the house came the sound of a pistol shot. The glass of the window was shattered with a bullet, which, ricocheting from the top of the embrasure, struck the far wall of the room. I am afraid I am a coward at heart, for I shrieked out. I think she's being a little hard on herself. <laughs> if somebody shot a window into my house, I think right. I would scream. <laughs> the men all jumped to their feet. Lord Godalming flew over to the window and threw up the sash. As he did, we heard Mr. Morris's voice without. Sorry, I fear I've alarmed you. I'll come in and tell you all about it. I take back what I said about him being smart. A minute <laughs> later, he came in and said, Well, it was an idiotic thing of me to do, and I ask your pardon, Mrs. Harker. Most sincerely, the rest of you can fuck off. I fear I must have frightened you terribly. <laughs> but the fact is, whilst the professor was talking, there came a big bat and sat on the windowsill. I have got such a horror of the damn brutes from recent events that I cannot stand them. And I went out and had a shot as I have been doing of late evenings where I, whenever I've seen one you used to uh, laugh at me for it. Then art. I take a shot in the evening too. I don't know what he's so upset about. <laughs> right. Oh wait, 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 wait. I think it's different. I think it's different. Never mind. <laughs> Did you eat it? I don't know. I fancy not for it flew away into the wood. Well, yeah, duh. Duh. Without saying any more, he took his seat and the professor began to resume his statement. <laughs> Nothing <laughs> stops him. Nothing. <laughs> Except to cut off his head and fill it with garlic. <laughs> we must trace each of these boxes. And when we are ready, we must either capture or kill this monster in his lair. Or we must, so to speak, sterilize the earth so that no more he can seek safety in it. Thus, in the end, we may find him in his form of man between the hours of noon and sunset, and so engage with him when he is at his most weak. And now for you, Madame Mina, this night is the end, until all be well. You are too precious to us to have such risk. When we part tonight, you no more must question. Really? This is mm. not going to go well. Yeah. <laughs> we shall tell you all in good time. We are men. 
<laughs> and are able to bear, but you must be our star and our hope, and we shall act all the more free that you are not in the danger such as we are. All the men, even Jonathan, seemed relieved, but it did not seem to me good that they should brave danger and perhaps lessen their safety, strength being the best safety, through care of me. But their minds were made up, and though it was a bitter pill for me to swallow, I could say nothing, save to accept their quote-unquote chivalrous care of me. Mr. Morris resumed the discussion. Well, as there's no time to lose, I vote we have a look at this house right now. Time's everything with him, and with swift action on our part, we may save another victim. I own my heart to get to fail me when the time for action came so close, but I did not say anything, for I had a greater fear that if I appeared as a drag or a hindrance to their work, they might even leave me out of their consoles altogether. They've gone off to Carfax, which means to get into the house. Manlike, they don't. <laughs> they told me to go to bed and go to sleep as if a woman can sleep when those she loves are in danger for the love of fuck I, I add that part yeah right I shall lie down and pretend to sleep lest Jonathan have added anxiety about me when he returns Dr. Seward's diary 1 October hey we made it out of September 4am just as we were about to leave the house, an urgent message was brought to me from Renfield to know if I would see him at once, as he had something of the utmost importance to say to me. I told the messenger to say that I would attend to his wishes in the morning. I was busy just at the moment. The attendant added, He seems very importunate, sir. I've never seen him so eager. I don't know what, but what? If you don't see him soon, he'll have one of his violent fits. I knew the man would not have said this without some cause, so I said, all right, I'll go now. And I asked the others to wait a few minutes for me as I had to go see my patient. Ah, take me with you, friend Jean. What am I doing at, in your room at four in the morning? But it's okay. <laughs> that is an case, excellent question. <laughs> yeah. His case in your diary interests me much, and it had bearing too now and again on our case. I should much like to see him in especial when his mind is disturbed. Lord Godalming, Quincy Morris, and Harker all asked if they could come also. What are they, they doing? They hanging out. Four in the morning. Four in the morning. <laughs> all right. I nodded, and we all went down the passage together. We found him in a state of considerable excitement, but far more rational in his speech and manner than I had ever seen him. There was an unusual understanding of himself, which was unlike anything I had ever met with in a lunatic, and he took it for granted that his reasons would prevail with others entirely sane. We all four went into the room, but none of the others at first said anything. His request was that I would at once release him from the asylum and send him home. This he backed up with arguments regarding his complete recovery and adduced, mm -hmm. ad, ad, okay, adduced his own existing sanity. I appeal to your friends. They will perhaps not mind sitting in judgment on my case because they're probably smarter than you. <laughs> By the way, you have not introduced me. I was so much astonished that the oddness of introducing a madman in an asylum did not strike me at the moment. And besides, there was a certain dignity in the man's manner, so much of the habit of equality, that I at once made the introductions. Lord Godalming, Professor Van Helsing, Mr. Quincy Morris of Texas, Mr. Renfield. He shook hands with each of them, saying in turn... Lord Salting Cracker, I had the honor of seconding your father at the Wyndham. I grieve to know by your holding the title that he is no more. He was a man loved and honored by all who knew him, and in his youth was, I have heard, the inventor of a burnt rum punch much patronized on Derby Night. <laughs> That's a kind of adorable. Go on. <laughs> right? I need this recipe. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Morris, you should be proud of your great state. Its reception into the Union was a precedent which may have far-reaching effects hereafter. You don't know. <laughs> <laughs> when the Pole and the tropics may hold alliance to the stars and stripes. The power of the treaty may yet prove a vast engine of enlargement when the Monroe Doctrine takes its true place as a political fable. What shall I... What shall any man say of his pleasure at meeting Van Helsing? Sir, I make no apology for dropping all forms of conventional prefix. When an individual has 
has revolutionized therapeutics by his discovery of continuous evolution of brain matter. Conventional forms are unfitting since they would seem to limit him to one of a class. You gentlemen who by nationality or heredity or by possession of natural gifts are fitted to hold your respective places in the moving world. I take to witness that I am as sane as the least of the majority of men who are in full possession of their liberties. And I am sure that you, Dr. Seward, humanitarian and medical jurist, as well as scientist, will deem it a moral duty to deal with me as one to be considered under the exceptional circumstances. He made this last appeal with a courtly air of conviction, which was not without its own charm. That's what they call it? (laughs) I forgot Harker. (laughs) Oh, you're right. I think we were all staggered. For my own part, I was under the conviction, despite my knowledge of the man's character and history, that his reason had been restored, and I felt under a strong impulse to tell him that I was satisfied as to his sanity and would see about the necessary formalities for his release in the morning. I thought it better to wait, however, before making so grave a statement, for of old I knew the sudden changes to which this particular patient was liable. So I contented myself with making a general statement that he appeared to be improving very rapidly, that I would have a longer chat with him in the morning and would then see what I could do in the direction of meeting his wishes. This did not at all satisfy him, for he quickly said, But I fear, Dr. Seward, that you hardly apprehend my wish. I desire to go at once, here, now, this very hour, this very moment, if I may. Time presses, and in our implied agreement with the old sight man, it is of the essence and of the contract. I am sure it is only necessary to put before so admirable a practitioner as Dr. Seward, so simple, yet so momentous a wish to ensure its fulfillment. He looked at me keenly and, seeing the negative in my face, turned to the others and scrutinized them closely. Not meeting any sufficient response, he went on. Uh, Is it possible I have erred in my supposition? You have, I said frankly, but at the same time as I felt, brutally, there was a considerable pause and then he said slowly, Then I suppose I must only shift my ground of request. Let me ask for this concession. Boon, privilege, what you will, synonyms for everyone. (laughs) I am content to implore in such a case, not on personal grounds, but for the sake of others. I am not at liberty to give you the whole of my reasons, but you may, I assure you, take it from me that they are good ones, sound and unselfish and spring from the highest sense of duty. Could you look, sir, into my heart, you would approve to the full the sentiments which animate me. Nay, more, you would count me amongst the best and truest of your friends. Again, he looked at us all keenly. I had a growing conviction that this sudden change of his entire intellectual method was but yet another form or phase of his madness. And so determined to let him go on a little longer... (laughs) Knowing from experience that he would, like all (laughs) lunatics, give himself away in the end. Van Helsing was gazing at him with a look of utmost intensity, his bushy eyebrows almost meeting with the fixed concentration of his look. He said to Renfield in a tone which did not surprise me at the time, but only when I thought of it afterwards, for it was as of one addressing an equal. Can you not... I'm sorry. Wrong voice. Oh Wrong my voice. god! I, I gave you cute. I, I gave know. you cues to try to help because this is this is tough. You got yeah. a lot. <laughs> Can you not tell frankly your reason for wishing to be free tonight? I will undertake that if you will satisfy even me, a stranger without prejudice and with the habit of keeping an open mind. Doctor Seward will give you at his own risk and his own responsibilities a privilege you seek. He shook his head sadly and with a look of poignant regret on his face. The professor went on. Come, sir, bethink yourself. You claim the privilege of reason in the highest degree since you seek to impress us with your complete reasonableness, unlike me. You do this, (laughs) whose sanity we have reason to doubt, since you are not yet released from medical treatment for this very defect. 
If you will not help us in our effort to choose the wisest course, how can we perform the duty which you have put upon us? Be wise and help us. Join my cult. And if we can, we <laughs> shall aid you to achieve your wish. He still shook his head as he said, Dr. Van Helsing, I have nothing to say. Your argument is complete, and if I were free to speak, I should not hesitate a moment. But I am not my own master in the matter. I can only ask you to trust me. If I am refused, this responsibility does not rest with me. I thought it was now time to end the scene, which was becoming too comically grave. <laughs> so, so I went towards the door, saying simply, Come, my friends, we have work to do. Good night. As, however, I got near the door, a new change came over the patient. He moved towards me so quickly that for a moment I feared that he was about to make another homicidal attack. My fears, however, were groundless, for he held up his two hands imploringly and made his uh, petition in a moving manner, as he saw that the very excess of his emotion was militating against him. Militating? Mm -hmm. Okay. By restoring us more to our old relations, he became still more demonstrative. I glanced at Van Helsing and saw my conviction reflected in his eyes, so I became a little more fixed in my manner, if not more stern, and motioned to him that his efforts were unavailing. I had previously seen something of the same constantly growing excitement in him when he had to make some request of which at the time he had thought much, such, for instance, as when he wanted a cat. Meow. And I was prepared to see the collapse into the same sullen acquiescence on this occasion. My expectation was not realized, for when he found that his appeal would not be successful, he got into quite a frantic condition. He threw himself on his knees and held up his hands, wringing them in plaintive supplication, and poured forth a torrent of entreaty with the tears rolling down his cheeks and his whole face and form expressive of the deepest emotion. Let me entreat you, Dr. Seward. Oh, let me implore you to let me out of this house at once. Send me away how you will and where you will. Send keepers with me with whips and chains, because I like that. I like <laughs> that part of it. Let them take me in a straight coat, manacled and leg ironed, even to a jail. Hey, you know, teach their own. But let me go out of this. You don't know what you do by keeping me here. I am speaking from the depths of my heart, of my very soul. You don't know whom you wrong or how, and I may not tell. Woe is me, I may not tell. By all you hold sacred, by all you hold dear, by your love that is lost, by your hope that lives. For the sake of the Almighty, take me out of this and save my soul from my guilt. Jesus. Wow. <laughs> Can't you hear me, man? Can't you understand? We will never learn, Team Renfield. Right? Don't you know that I am sane and earnest now? That I am no lunatic and a mad fit, but a sane man fighting for his soul. Oh, hear me, hear me. Let me go, let me go, let me go, let me go. <laughs> I thought that the longer this went on, the wilder he would get and so would bring on a fit. So I took him by the hand and raised him up. Come, I said sternly, no more of this. We have had quite enough already. Get to your bed and try to behave more discreetly. Because that <laughs> solves everything. Right? Yeah. Just kind of like, smile, smile. more. Yeah. <laughs> he suddenly stopped and looked at me intently for several moments. Then, without a word, he rose and, moving over, sat down on the side of the bed. The collapse had come, as on former occasion, just as I had expected. When I was leaving the room, the last of our party, he said to me in a quiet, well-bred voice. You will, I trust, Dr. Seward, do me the justice to bear in mind later on that I did what I could to convince you tonight. And that's the horrible place that we'll stop for today. <laughs> Damn. Oh, I feel so bad for him. He knows something's about to happen. Right? <gasps> this, is, this isn't even the gang that can't shoot straight. This right. is the gang that's like, let's how go did, find some sacred bullets. They just, How do they not read between the lines? I know that's like a dumb question. So did any of them ever give Van Helsing a reason to think that they would not pretty much believe anything he said whenever he said it? Why did he not give that very long speech about wild roses and all that stuff? 
before Lucy died. Right? Because clearly he knew about it. He knew about yes. the garlic. He knew, right. the he knew about the, the yeah, bath. And he, yeah. he went and got the host. Yeah, yeah. He got the host. He made putty out of it. Cough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is not up to code, by the way. Right? <laughs> so I'm, I'm like, why did he save it for now? Because that's what you do when you're starting a cult. Give that knowledge at your own pace. Yes. And oh. you you basically get them to incriminate themselves and implicate mm. themselves in some pretty horrible things. Okay. Like desecration of a corpse. And do you do you think that this is intentional on Bram Stoker's part of doing it this way? Or is this Bram Stoker? I think that's his his idea of pacing. Yeah. Is, is it his <laughs> struggle with actually writing a good plot that ding 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 oh okay wow what i want to know is where is his goddamn editor well i think we're gonna have to yeah we're gonna have to look into that (laughs) there wasn't one (laughs) right um okay all right so what's coming up next yeah all right so tomorrow the men decide to go house hunting we get a lesson. <laughs> we get a lesson on how not to do real estate staging. <laughs> and did we not learn anything from Lucy about why you don't leave anyone alone? No, right? clearly not. <laughs> oh, I can't the opposite of wait. Oh my god. This is oh, okay. oh, okay. Don't forget to check yeah. us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash drunk mythology gals. Yes. For the month of October, we are introducing the drunk Dracula gals tier for one dollar. I hate using the word introducing at this point in the month. I know. (laughs) I'll have to make that change in the notes. Anyway, go over there. uh, Patreon.com Drunk Mythology Gals. We got lots of other Lit Crit Hour episodes. It's good stuff. Go check it out. There you go. And thanks again for joining us. Please subscribe, leave a rating or review and tell your friends and family about us, especially if they're like, look, I'm seriously trying to warn you. No, no, no. Don't look at me like that. I am trying to warn you. We got to get out of here. Don't do the thing. No. Hey, come back here. (laughs) Finally, always remember if the undead and also a bunch of these guys from the 19th century can behave badly. So can you.